This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you will live like Jesus and share His love. Well, hey, welcome to episode nine. Episode, episode nine, nine, season three. Season three of uh, yeah. Radiant Reflections. That's right. We're back in uh, Pastor JB's studio today. Yes. We're ready to rock and roll with another episode of Radiant Reflections. Uh, yeah. But first, how was your Thanksgiving, man? We had a great Thanksgiving. Sands, I, as you can hear, I had a head cold. And so my family couldn't come for Thanksgiving. My mom and dad were going to come. My in-laws were going to come. But I had a pretty gnarly fever. And so we told them to stay home. Not probably, COVID. Probably a good call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not COVID. But uh, but otherwise, it was good. It was good. How about you? It is the giving season. So I actually, we were we were scheduled to travel. Uh, but one of my kids had a fever. Oh yeah. So we uh, we ended up staying home. Actually, ended up ended up being a really chill day. Yeah, ours it was, was too. it was kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So yeah, yeah over, overall, had a good Thanksgiving. My wife, we we just so happened to have thawed out a turkey. We're like, when when are we gonna make this turkey, dude? My wife prepared this turkey. It was probably top two turkeys I've ever had in my Ooh. life. Ooh, now tell me so how she, was this so accomplished? She, so she like. She didn't cook it whole, you know, like all, okay. on all the Thanksgiving okay. pictures you see, like this yeah, whole yeah, yeah. bird. Giant. Yep, yep. Right? Yeah. She didn't do it that way. She, like, cut hunks of it up. She, like, roasted it in the oven. Ooh. She seasoned it. Ooh. It had, like, she did, like, this garlic chili, oh, yeah. like, rub kind of thing. Oh, yeah, dude. It was, it was so good. That so sounds good. fantastic. So, yeah. We, bought, we always buy a couple turkeys around Thanksgiving because they're cheap. And so we'll freeze one. So we've got one in the freezer, and I'm going to throw one of those those fellows, one of those bad Larrys. <laughs> bad Larrys coming back, we're, ladies we're and gentlemen. We're going to throw one of those bad Larrys on the, uh, on the smoker. So now, we'll see how Is that, that how you did your one that for Thanksgiving? No. So my it? wife did uh, the one, stuffed it with, you know, all the things, butter, lots of butter. Uh, so it was fantastic. I We had a 17-pound turkey. There were seven of us there. And we that's ate. A, that's a big turkey. We ate most of it because I. Ate, oh, but that. But that's all that you eat. That's all that I right. ate. So yeah, that's all that I eat. But I ate a, a, f, a f significant amount of turkey. It was yes. It's my. Did favorite. you go do the, like the turkey nap thing then later? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I remember right, I was feeling pretty, uh, pretty not great at that time. So yeah, I was. I was napping. I stayed by the fire. We started a fire. And so I had, I don't know, viewers, listeners, if you're this way, just comment below. I am a sweated out sick person. So uh -oh. I am a firm believer, triple layers, sock hat, heating blanket, okay, so and being by the fire. Medically, I don't know if that's a great idea. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor either, but I, I don't think that's a great I idea. I will tell you that <laughs> at one point this week when I was doing that very thing, I had my hat pulled down. My wife came down with the... Uh, thermometer and the temperature was 105.3 like that's like brain da you're getting to brain damage yeah i i've got plenty of Love that already it. so <laughs> but uh, if you are a doctor please comment on whether or not this is a, a good yeah. good practice or not but i did the, i mean the next couple days i wore layers and just kind of sweated out and um i'm still feel, i'm feeling fine now i just have a little bit of a congestion yeah kind of stuff. yeah but no fever for three, three, four days now, so it's been good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, hey, so yeah. so that was some some Thanksgiving tradition stuff right there. Yes. But we just kicked off a new series 
We did. At Radiant Life about Advent, which yeah. is in some ways another tradition. Yeah. But to, to kind of set that conversation, actually, you know what? Psh, pause. Pause. We have a very important question. <laughs> what What are we drinking? What are we drinking today? What are we drinking today? Okay, so. Because, because the first sip I took. Yes. Like this is a, like this is, has a unique flavor and. It's extremely if unique. You, if you, if you give it a little sniff. Yeah. Like even the scent of it is, is mm-hmm. not your typical. Yes. Coffee. Okay, so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to take the fast way around the barn. That's another one of those sayings. Is that like? Have you heard that one before? No, but you've like, never heard the fast way around no. the barn. No. Okay, wow. So the fast way around the barn is a phrase you use when you're trying to tell a story that should take like a long time, but you're gonna try to be fast about it. So is this kind of like the long story short? Yes, kind same thing. thing. These okay. are synonyms. Okay. Yeah. Syn- okay. So, uh, Galen Geigley, great guy, one of Shout our sound guys. Galen. Shout out to Galen. So he's telling me about this third wave roaster in Shipshawana, Indiana. And I'm thinking, mm, I don't think like, that's really, yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't feel like there's probably a third wave roaster there. Well, it happens to be his niece's husband. I believe that's the correlation, something like that. Uh, Skyler is his name. Shout out to Tether Roasters. So Tether Roasters in Shipshawana. Uh, he actually is moving right now to Middlebury. But at any rate, this is the, the strangest. I've never had this coffee until I met him. He was a Mennonite missionary in Thailand. He and his wife lived in Thailand for like three years. And he met a local farmer that grew coffee beans. Now, I've had coffee from lots of different places in the world, strange places, never from Thailand. Mm. So Skyler partnered with this farmer, and now he buys all of this farmer's crop every year, like six, 700 kilos at a time comes over on a boat in a big, you know, shipping crate. And then he does a natural walk on, uh, he does a, uh, it's all light roasted by the way. I don't think he even does any medium or dark. Um, there's a washed or a natural process that he offers. And I find that the natural is, is really, really, really good. Really good. Great shots. The weird thing about the shots at home is I have to choke my grinder down very, very tight to get my timing right. Um, but yeah, Tether Roasters in Ships. You want to check them out. They are a third wave roaster. And uh, yeah. It's, so does it like, because yeah. last week, you know, we talked about these, like the notes, right? And the different things. Like, do they tell you what? You should be so he doesn't have notes on on his bags, um, and I think that that's because the last time a Q grader graded his coffee, he was I think at an eighty eight. I don't know what that means. So it's it's zero to a hundred. I don't know if it's zero, but up to a hundred, right? And like super uber primo coffee is above ninety. Mm. In the high eighties, the difference between high eighties and even a ninety, even those two points is actually fairly significant. You will know the difference between uh, I've only the, the best graded coffee I've ever drank was a 95. Who made that one? That was from uh press coffee in Georgia. Um, hmm. Very, very limited run. We will be drinking some of their coffee next week. Come. Either that or madcap. I'm not sure. Come. Um, but yeah, we're a little bit farther in our, 
We're like nine minutes. Oh, that's all right. Now. That's all right. Well, yeah. we <clears throat> that's all right. So, but the uh, story behind this coffee is a, an important one, and I would tell you if you like good coffee. And here's the other thing I'll tell you about it: third wave coffee is usually on the expensive side, so it's not like coffee you get at the grocery store. Skyler's pricing on this coffee that he has from Thailand. And the way that he roasts it, it is so inexpensive. So if you want to try, listeners, viewers, if you want to try some really, really good coffee that's far better than anything you're going to get at Starbucks or any sort of milk drink coffee shop or a grocery store, try Tether Roasters. Mm. And he is local, so you can save on shipping. I think it's like 12 bucks for um, the washed process and 14 for the natural. Natural requires a little more labor. Mm. Um, check them out. Tether Roasters. There you go. Yeah. Cool. So that's what we're drinking. Yep. And he's a Christian. I love, there you he's go. a believer. Support a, support a brother yeah. in Christ. Yeah. We can, we can always get behind that. Yeah. Thanks to Galen for telling me about this coffee. So, Hey, so Advent yes. right, is the season that we just kicked off. And again, this might seem like a rabbit trail, but I think it pertains. So if you look back over your childhood, mm-hmm. or even your adult years, right? Yes. What is, what is one favorite Christmas associated memory or tradition. Yes. So for you. I would say for us it's probably more more recent than anything and that's uh putting up the Christmas tree. You know, we did that actually, let's see. We did it Saturday. Oh, we put no. okay. So you waited Saturday. so you were like a decent human being and a waited decent. until after Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're we're not like those people, Ryan Deb, <laughs> who <laughs> seems to have Christmas stuff up in July. I mean, his house is beautiful. You go, Katie, like they know what they're doing. You go past their house, it looks like the Macy's lobby. I mean, it is, it's fancy. Yeah, they're very Christmassy. They're very, they're very Christmassy. I like that. They are very Christmassy people. Uh, so yeah, decorating the Christmas tree. What about you, okay. man? So, I mean, we, we actually, we jumped the gun this year. One of my kids got super excited. So we were like a week and a half before Thanksgiving, which pains me a little bit. But... <laughs> I think, I think if I look back over my life, right, like as a kid, we would every year on Christmas Eve, we would listen to, uh, you ever heard of Frank Peretti? Absolutely. So Frank Peretti. The, this Present Darkness. This Present Darkness, Priest and Darkness, yes. The Elves, The Visitation. Yes. Brilliant author. Yeah. Right. But he he did like a kind of an audio drama-ish. Oh, wow. Really, it was him reading a story that he wrote wow. called All Is Well. And there's there's a song that goes with it. I think Michael W. Smith does the song. Okay. And we would listen to this every Christmas Eve. And so I I did this with my kids a year or two ago, and we listened to it, dude. I'm like in my living room, like crying my eyes out, listening to this story because it's That's it's awesome. You'll have to you'll have to look it up. I think you can find on YouTube. You can find Frank Peretti reading all as well. Yeah. But that was that was one of those things. We would always, you always shut the lights off, and you just Special. sit. And Dad would like. You know, he'd it turn this special. on. Yeah, wow. yeah. It was it was great. Wow. And so we would listen to that every year. And I I've I've always enjoyed that. I listen to that song just from time to time because yeah. it's a super cool song. So I also like watching Elf. Oh yeah, with I mean, uh, with Will Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Uh he's not for the faint of heart at times, but he's yeah, hilarious. some of this stuff is yeah, yes. not uh <laughs> I'm sorry. Not I'm Philippians four eight uh no, approved, but no, definitely not. But he is, but Elf is, is good. Elf is, is good. hilarious. Putting maple syrup on spaghetti with M and M's. Oh my gosh! Yeah, good so stuff. Hey, comment uh, uh, below if you're if you're watching this. What's some of your favorite Christmas traditions? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we, would, we would love we love to hear that. Yeah. So we kicked yeah. off this Advent series, right? And Advent is this season of leading 
up to Christmas, right? Now, depending on your church background, depending on your church tradition, maybe this is something you're familiar with, right? Maybe, you know, every year, you know, you're used to seeing people light candles and having a wreath, you know, and, and you know, during your church service, maybe a, a random family that you don't normally see on the stage, they come up. And they read something. That's mm-hmm. what it was like for me growing up, right? So you grew Advent. up with Advent. I grew up with Advent. Wow. Yes. Yes. So I'm you know, within the within the Reformed tradition, mm-hmm. right? And we would we would have that every week. You know, you would have somebody come up. They would do a reading. Mm-hmm. They would light the candle. Right. You know, and you would you know, go through the the whole yeah. season leading up to Christmas in that same way. Uh, on top of which, uh, we would do that at home. So we, we would have an Advent wreath on our table at home. Okay. And then there would be readings every night that we <coughs> would do that would line up with that. Okay. Right? And every every week has kind of a different theme. You know, each candle has a different theme. Um, so what, it, what candle did we light yesterday? So Ryan, he lit the first one. We talked about hope. Now, yes. you will sometimes see a slight variation. Okay. Some, you know, we are focusing in this series. We're going to do hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, some uh, Advent material will will have faith, in in uh, in the mix there. So we did the the hope candle or the prophet's candle mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah, uh, in our in our kind of inaugural mm-hmm. Advent yeah uh, service. So I was I was coming into this podcast realizing just how much I was going to need to really lean on you <laughs> because. I mean, I knew what Advent was, but growing up, I always thought it was just Catholic. Oh. Like, I did not know that Advent was a Protestant uh, practice. I didn't even know that was a thing. And so um, I, it was foreign to me growing up as a Protestant. So now that I'm an adult and looking at different <laughs> things, looking at orthodoxy, looking at Catholicism, looking at Protestant beliefs, um, it's been really beautiful to see and learn about Advent, definitely. And I'd be curious again. I, you know, I grew up in the Reformed tr- tradition, um, but then I spent time in the Assemblies of God. I don't think we ever did anything with it in the Assemblies, right? I don't think they did anything with Advent really. Um, yeah. I would guess and if higher we, church, right? If, yes. If, if you if you yeah. come from a Presbyterian, Episcopal, Lutheran. United Methodist, Lutheran, yeah. if you come from one of those backgrounds, right. comment. You know, for us, if you have that ability, mm-hmm. uh, I would I would assume that you would see Advent yes uh, as a focus in each of those mm-hmm. tribes uh, as well. Yeah, but yeah. So now, did you want to share? You were talking about yeah, yeah. Maybe, so like a, a uh, reading that you came across. My spiritual director, I, I reached out to him. Uh, Doug is his name, and just asked him, you know, what can I do to learn about Advent? You know, I didn't want to get the yellow and black uh, book uh, Advent for Dummies because I'm sure it's out there but I was feeling like a dummy and here's how much of a dummy I was feeling like I'm going to go ahead and tell you folks this everyone get get ready to laugh so I until about maybe three weeks ago four weeks ago I got Advent and Lent mixed up and I would huh. I was reading about Lent and I'm reading like ashes and like everybody's sad and like you're supposed to. Fa- I was like, "What does this have to do with Christmas?" I was royally confused. And then Doug sent me over some some liturgy that his church does for for actually for Advent. I'm like, oh, "Okay, okay, like this is different." Yeah, got it, got it, got it. So I like to tell people I grew up in a rock and roll church. Like that's a hippie church. Truly, it was all hippies. 
rock and roll music. I had never even seen a hymn book literally until I visited another church. I don't know. I know maybe five or six hymns. It's kind of a sad thing. I think you should know those things, but so this is all very new to me. At any rate, my spiritual director gave me uh, this book to read. It's called the liturgical year, the spiraling adventure of the spiritual life. And it's by sister Joan Ch- Chittister is, is my best guess on how to pronounce her name. And this is from the Ancient Practices series, um, and she is a, a Benedictine sister, uh, so coming from the Catholic uh, Catholic faith. And um, yeah, I just thought it kind of, I was really encouraged when I read this chapter on joy. It's only a few pages, so indulge me here as I read this and just see uh, maybe what your your thoughts are. An old adage teaches joy is not in things, it is in us. Learning what it is that makes us happy is the task of a lifetime, and oh, we stumble along doing it. We try it all and fail at most. We scatter ourselves looking for pleasure, going here, tasting this, wanting that, getting that. But pleasure is fleeting and can only be maintained for as long as we can physically tolerate what it takes to get it. Once pleasured, It is necessary then to ratchet up the ante, to do more of what satisfied us in the first place. So we drink more, or we gamble more, and so lose more. Or we eat more till eating itself is our problem. Or we play more, or run more, or buy more, until all the joy of it runs out. Then pleasure doesn't work anymore. We simply have no capacity for tickling left in us. We jade ourselves trying. We exhaust ourselves looking for wealth. But the harder we work, the more money we make, the less there is left to do with it. There are only so many things we can buy until we've bought the best over and over again. There are only so many things we can use and still enjoy using them. In the end, then, money is really useless. It could fly us into the Amazon, but it cannot give us the joy of smelling the rainforest unless we're willing to give up the plane and stay a while. Before long, it becomes clear, as the Kenyans say, those who have cattle have care. The palling pursuit of wealth we learn too late simply diminishes the deep-down joy of having it. It is convenient, yes, but fulfilling, no. Finally, we, finish our, we diminish ourselves by basking in self-exaltation. The more self-centered we become, the less we have to make us happy. Despite our raging internal need to get all the attention in the room, all the light on the stage, all the applause in the crowd, we find ourselves more and more isolated, less and less filled up by it. We have no one now to turn to for the love we want and cannot find. We've made ourselves the love of our lives and found little to adore at the altar of our egos. We've made ourselves our own gods and have forgotten God in the process. The joy and happiness we sought has not come from spending life in an orgy of self-love, self-satisfaction, and self-aggrandizement. Joy, the deep-down awareness of what it means to live, to live well, to live productively, to live righteously, is made out of self-giving, simplicity, and other-centeredness. Ironically enough, in a world that finds religion dour, Q 
accuses it of being nothing but a list of do's and don'ts designed to limit our options and trammel our dreams, it is precisely the journey to joy that the liturgical year is all about. The truth is that the Christmas season, the very entree to the liturgical year, is unabashed about the purpose of the Christian life. I am bringing you good news of great joy, the angel says to the shepherds on the hillside outside of Bethlehem about the birth of a baby in a stable there, Luke 2.10. Good news of great joy we learn at the beginning of the liturgical year is what searching for the baby is all about. It's how and where we're searching that matters. Happiness is a choice that requires effort at times, the Greek playwright Aeschylus wrote, but that's wrong. Happiness does not require choice some of the time. Happiness requires choice all the time. Hmm. It requires learning to choose between what is real and what is fleeting, what is worthless and what is worthwhile. But that does not make the effort either impossible or unacceptable. It simply requires discrimination. It is discrimination, the ability to choose between one good in life over another, that the liturgical year parades before our eyes over and over again, year after year. And finally, until we develop finally enough maturity of soul to tell what lasts from what pales, to discern what's worth having from what isn't, to know what happiness is rather than what satiety is. Advent and the Christmas season show us life in its essence. In it, we're brought face to face with life stripped down and effulgent at the same time, simple and radiant at once. Here in the child is promise and meaning, purpose and potential. I'm bringing you, the angel says, good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. The question with which the liturgical year confronts us at the beginning of this season, then, is a direct one. What does the life of Jesus now mean to us? Mm. How is this life affecting our own? Are we ourselves living both the promise and the potential? Meaning, we discover has nothing to do with what is outside of us. It has to do with what we come to see with our souls. It has to do with the vision that is within us rather than with the things we're heaping up around us as indicators of our success, our power, our status. Joy is not about what happens to us, the manger indicates. It is the meaning we give to what we do that determines the nature, the quality of the lives we live. Joy is not about self-centeredness, the manger insists. I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The scriptures remind us of this child, John 5.30. No doubt about it, happiness is not about self-satisfaction. It is about the joy that comes with a sense of purpose. It is not about self-aggrandizement. It is about living our lives immersed in the will of God. At the end of the day, life and joy, success and happiness are about otherness. The essential of happiness, Alan K. Chalmers wrote, is having something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. Something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. At the very outset of the liturgical year, the church presents a model of them all, 
a child who lives only to do the will of God, who opens his arms to love the entire, entire world, who lives in hope of the coming of the reign of God by giving his life to bring it. At the very outset of the year, we're given the model of how to be happy. The purpose of the liturgical year, Advent is clear, is not to confine the human being to a life of neurotic abnegation and miserable self-denial for its own sake. It is a year meant to show us in flesh and blood what it really takes to be happy. If that does not happen for us, it is only because we have yet to understand what we're seeing. We have yet to get the message that indeed joy is not in things, it is in us. If focused on the Christ child at the very beginning of the liturgical year, we do not have the spiritual vision to see meaning there and to develop it within ourselves. There is nothing else on earth that will ever be able to supply it for us. That's some good stuff. Yeah. Something to do. Now, something to do. Something to... What was the second? I highlighted that. And something to hope for. Yeah, I I highlighted that section because it. um, No, I didn't actually highlight it, but. Where was it? Ah, yeah. Uh, Alan K. Chalmers. This is the essential of happiness is having something to do, something to love, and something to hope Mm. for. So purpose, something to do, mm-hmm. something to love, you know, having meaning behind, uh, or, or, or I should say something that we value, and then something to hope for. And I, ne- I ne- didn't understand until I started reading this book that part of Advent is also what we talked about yesterday in the message, that there's a hope that because Jesus was born, lived, died, there's hope that he will come again. Mm -hmm. That promise fulfilled bolsters our faith for the future. Mm -hmm. If he did it once, he could do it again. And how many, Ryan said, over 300? Yeah, conservative, you're talking about the prophecies? I mean, conservative numbers would be, you know, 300 some. And that ranges, you know, there are some that would say, oh, no, no, there are more. Yeah. I mean, so, but conservatively, you've got 300 some prophecies that, you know, they have been, you know, uh, Israel had been looking forward to this this Messiah, this this King in the line of David, mm-hmm. right, for centuries and centuries. But you can go back even further. Yeah. You go back to Genesis chapter 3, mm-hmm. right after the fall. Right. You know, and, and sin comes into the picture. Right. Right. And you have what's what's called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, mm-hmm. where, you know, when, when God is handing out the curses yeah. <clears throat> because of sin, he also says, hey, there's going to be enmity between... You know the serpent and your offspring. You know he's going to strike your heel, but you're going to crush his head, right? And this is this is already right out of the gate. This this look forward to a time when the enemy will be defeated. Mm-hmm. So, so they've been looking forward to this since sin yeah. entered the world. Yeah, right? and and so for for centuries, for millennia, right? You you have these people that are looking forward to this individual that will come and begin to set things right again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all throughout the, the older Testament, you see these, these prophecies that, that continue to point right. forward. And then we see in Jesus kind of the fulfillment, mm-hmm. at least partially, right? At least partially. And right. that's, you know, that's kind of the tension that, that you, we, we live in now is we have this, 
this, you know, some theologians will use the the phrase like now but not yet mm-hmm. or you know that that yep. kind of thinking because there are things that that Jesus came and he fulfilled and he definitely changed the game in a lot of yep. ways and and you and I as followers of Jesus benefit from that mm-hmm. but at the same time we also sitting here in in November of 2022 there are yeah. things that we look forward to yes. things that we hope for yeah. And because there hasn't been a complete fulfillment yeah. of all the things that Jesus came to usher in. Yeah. So you know, we, we look forward to that. I love how you pointed back to the garden. I've always had this theory, Josh, and you can tell me what you think of it. So Abraham was this person who had a promise given to him that his descendants would be blessed and there would be all this, this mm-hmm. blessing in his life. And the son comes along. The son is Isaac. Right, uh, and then God calls Abraham to do something insane. Right, God calls uh, I, uh, Abraham to take Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah, build an altar there, and it says He asks him to kill his firstborn son. Right, so He gathers the sticks and all this. We know this story if you're listening, watching. So the scriptures say that. Abraham was willing to do this because he he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead. So my theory is that Abraham believed that Isaac could potentially be Jesus. That Isaac believed that there was there was resurrection power behind the promise that was given to him. And so he was willing to go so far as to say, I will take the life of the promised one that was promised to me and, and my wife. Because God will raise him from the dead. He's going to be a victor over, you know, I, I think many people believe that. So, you actually, you, you almost feel bad for Isaac because he kind of gets glossed over. Right. Usually, if you're talking about the patriarchs, right. Abraham gets a lot of attention. Right. You know, because, man, he's got the promise. He's got, right. he makes the, co- right. God makes the covenant with, with right. Abraham. Uh, and then you have his son, Isaac, who's like, oh, cool. He's a son of promise. He's born when they're old. But then he gets like a chapter and a half, two chapters. And then you get a whole bunch about yeah. Jacob and Esau, right. really a lot about Jacob. And right. then Jacob's sons get yes. a chunk of it. Yes. Isaac kind of gets like, whoop, you hop right over. Yeah. But like you said, and if you're watching and you're part of the Radiant Institute, right, you've, you've been in on some of these conversations. Um, the parallels that you see with Isaac oh. and Jesus are are pretty cool. Right. Even to the point, now not all scholars agree, right. so so don't take this as, as yeah. straight out of Scripture. But you read even the the geography, right? They go up to mm-hmm. Mount Moriah, mm-hmm. and there are some that would say, "Well, that's like right around Jerusalem." Yeah, and it, and it specifies. And I'm trying to find the the, the chapter here. It's, it's <coughs> in me. middle of middle of Genesis ish. But it but it says on the third day, on the third yeah. day <laughs> they go up. Wow! Right, and 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 you have Isaac. Finally, asks his dad, which they can like, okay, what's going through this kid's brain, right? Like, he knows he's going for sacrifice. He knows there's, he knows something's happening. Yeah, he's like, uh, hey, where's the lamb? And, and and Abraham says, you know what, God's going to provide. So you have, you but have in that language account. though, you know that the language it actually says God will provide Himself the lamb for sacrifice. And but so this is where again, like the, the parallels are are pretty cool. It's crazy. So you see, <laughs> so you see, you see on the third day. Potentially on this on this hill in the area of Jerusalem, <laughs> there is a, there is a, a, a 
oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a sacrifice, like a like a problem. There's a word. There's a word. I'm totally drawing a blank. Well, no. Well, I mean, so you have a sacrifice mm-hmm. that that accomplishes freedom from death, right? There's a there's a lamb provided that actually mm-hmm. delivers Isaac from death. Yes, I, I, it's just all kinds yeah. of cool parallels. So yes, yes that's a check that's it a out. Thing. That's the thing. Yeah, read through read through Genesis and and just pay attention, and maybe things will jump out that you never saw before. It's really cool the way the scriptures all tied together. Absolutely. And I think that this is also why, and this isn't for everyone, but I do believe there is a good practice in reading through the the Bible in a year. Uh, Some people like to dig into smaller chunks. Uh, It's been my practice for a lot of years to go through the Bible every year. And it's served me so well because you start seeing those parallels. Mm -hmm. You know, year after year when you're going through the weird stuff in, in Genesis or even Leviticus, you start seeing all those parallels. You know, about this time of year, you know, I'm in Romans right now towards the the New Testament. You start seeing some of those things. Oh, I remember earlier in the year that I read that. And that's why I I am starting to to have a lot more respect towards liturgy and thinking about the liturgical year as a way to frame uh, a schedule and a calendar and, and pattern it towards thinking about God. So Advent's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that gets into, you know, we've talked, I think, in almost every episode of the podcast this season mm-hmm. about spiritual disciplines, about, yeah. you know, these these practices, right? And those aren't, you know, sometimes there can be that that view that, oh, that's just, that's a Catholic thing, or oh, that's monks that do mm-hmm. that. No, no, no. No, I mean, right. like, spiritual practices and disciplines are alive and well well, mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, within within Protestant yeah. circles, right? It's Dallas Willard in the Great Omission. I think he yeah. credits uh, Volume Three of Kelvin's Institutes mm-hmm. as being a pretty significant yep. uh, influence on his life in mm-hmm. the area of, of spiritual disciplines and practices. I haven't read Kelvin's Institutes Volume Three. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Most people believe it but, was the seventies when Richard Foster's book came out, where he began to. Uh, Kind of re reengage Protestants in in those disciplines. Um, yeah, re reengage, but yeah, I mean, over the, if you look over the the, the history yeah. of Protestantism, right? right. Like there, it, it's not been a, a total absence of, of spiritual no. practices or no. disciplines or even liturgy. No, you know. So yeah, yeah sometimes we throw all the the baby out with the bathwater, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, so Advent, we talked about hope. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, the people of Israel have been looking forward to, you know, mm-hmm. in this this, you know, reading that you just did, it talks about having that thing to hope for. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the person who is in a season and they feel like they they don't have hope? Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe it's, you know, because you, you look you look in Scripture. Right. Yeah. In all of these periods where where God's people, right, the mm-hmm. Israelites, where they're they're looking forward to this. Like they had a jacked up history, man. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't have yeah. like smooth sailing. Four hundred years like, of bondage. Road. Like I mean, they were, <laughs> you know, they're yeah. they're freed from slavery in Egypt. Yep. They get into the Promised Land yep. and they just repeatedly yep. screw things up, like <laughs> pagan idolatry. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. a mess. Yeah, and then they're exiled. Right. I mean, <laughs> you've got yeah. you've got a pretty you know rocky history. Yeah, and all throughout that again. They're being told, hey, somebody's coming. Don't worry. Hang on to this. Good will come. Right. What do you say to the person here in November of 2022? And they feel like they're living in that rocky Mm -hmm. period. 
And in theory, there's something to hope for. Yeah. But to them, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Spe- speak to that person just, well, just I, briefly. Yeah. Here. Josh, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think uh, Sister Joan kind of spoke to that in that reading. It, it depends on what we put our hope mm-hmm. in, you know. Uh, I would say some of the practices that are really important to kind of feed hope so that hope can grow are, again, the spiritual practices and disciplines. You know, uh, that old adage that our moms used to tell us, garbage in, garbage out, Mm -hmm. right? You are what you eat, that kind of thing. Um, uh, I would encourage the person who's struggling with what it means to hope to spend some time in hopeful scriptures. Begin to pray the scriptures, Mm -hmm. like pulling up the Psalms and finding out that David was in such despair at times as well, completely hopeless. I mean, he he was hopeless. I mean, Elijah was just like suicidal. Like he he was like, God, just come and kill me. After you seeing know? God move in a really cool, powerful way. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Jonah, same thing. You know, there, there's there's a lot of, if you're watching or listening and you're you're struggling to maintain hope or to have hope at all, you're not alone. But there are answers in the Word of God. And I, I also think that silence and solitude are really important practices to, to grow hope. And that might, might sound strange because you think, well, if I'm left alone with my thoughts, that's, that's where the despair is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where the despair is, Josh. That's where the hopelessness is. But I think that if we press in and we spend, get, get past the, the, the ways that our minds race with with thoughts of despair and begin meditating on the word of God that begins to feed, feed hope. And I'll tell you something that for me has been a really uh, transforming thing is the Jesus prayer. Are you familiar with this, Josh? I don't know. Once I hear it, I'll. So this is ancient. I don't don't know by that title. I don't think. Yeah. The Jesus prayer is Lord Jesus Christ, son of God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a pretty good one. That's I, I've heard I've heard yeah. the wording. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard it called the Jesus the prayer. The Jesus prayer. So. And a lot of people will pray this prayer uh, repetitively. And some people say, well, isn't that what Jesus was saying about vain repetition? I don't think so. I think what Jesus was meaning was in the temple before a bunch of other people making these repetitious prayers and so that everyone can see what I'm doing. But if you're in your quiet place, in your secret place, uh, you're, as the scriptures call it, a prayer closet, mm-hmm. uh, kitchen table for me, um, and you begin to pray that, you begin to experience hope mm-hmm. because the scriptures say that the mercy of God is new every morning. That is and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure that verse shows up in Lamentations. Yes, which is, no, which is not, you know, read the book yeah. of Lamentations, which means he's lamenting lament. yes. because things yes. have gone terribly, terribly wrong. So, yes. So yeah. you, you have that hope in the midst of, you know, everything falling apart. What would you say? Well, I mean, and, and I think you hit on it and, it, and like you said in the text, it hits on it. Uh, a lot of it depends on what you are anchoring your hope in, mm-hmm. right? It's, is the object of your hope actually Jesus mm. or do you have, you know, Really, you know, under the surface, if you if you were to peel back some of the layers, you're building all of your hope in other people. Mm. You're building all of your hope in uh, things or in you know whatever whatever that looks like for you. Uh, those things will let you down. But I also think we have to examine 
our expectations for what what that looks like. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Ryan mentioned it in the message yesterday, this tour guide that he had when he traveled to Israel, mm. and how he said, "Oh, like you know, you Christians, you know, you found your Messiah. Yeah. Us Jews are are still looking for him. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Jews <coughs> missed Jesus as Messiah." Mm-hmm. And for some of them, right, and you even you, you see this play out, their expectations for what the Messiah would look like, what he would do, ah. they had they had a misunderstanding of what that would look like. So when he showed up, they missed it. They missed it. I think mm-hmm. in the same way, mm-hmm. we we have sometimes these expectations. For how Jesus should operate. Yeah. Maybe it's because we've been taught incorrectly in church. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because we just, we have this idea and we don't know where it came from. But we think, oh, well, well, man, and Lord, like Jesus is supposed to do this. Is he? Is he? Do, do we have a realistic <laughs> expectation for, for the way that Jesus actually works in our lives? And, and to where now we've created some despair— Mm-hmm. And it's based on a faulty idea of who Jesus is mm. and how he works in our lives. Does Jesus work in our lives today? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But what is the hope, though? No. What is the hope? Pam mentioned it. So Pam talked about it when she got up and she read that that prayer and that scripture. The hope that we have is eternal. Yes. That yes. is the perspective. And and we get hung up on, and this is why I say it's that faulty view. Some of this, I think, is probably a a, a marriage of the American dream mm-hmm. with with the gospel, right? Western. Um, Brian Fickert from the Chalmers Center he refers to it as evangelical Gnosticism. Mm. Uh, it's kind of this idea that, like we like the salvation aspect, yeah, but we also want to have all the things of the American dream, right? So we've 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 married. Uh, Elements of, of scripture, elements of Christianity with our social philosophy, mm-hmm. and we come up with some weird hybrid that doesn't really look like Jesus. This is where this these are this is how you come up with things like the prosperity gospel, right? Towards like, oh well, like yeah. if you if you follow Jesus, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and and never wise. be sick. Right. Like <laughs> I, I don't I don't see that in scripture. Yeah. I don't see that. Jesus said you're gonna have trouble. <laughs> Promise. Jesus says, said, "Hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you because yes. I'm the master, and you're not. You're not better than the master." So That's exactly what he yeah. said. But I think we have a faulty idea, and and it's it's temporal versus our hope is eternal. Yeah. Now, again, does Jesus work here and now? Yes. Yeah. But does that always mean we're going to be removed from crappy circumstances? No. I, I think, given what you just said, I got to reread this paragraph. Uh, Finally, we diminish ourselves by basking in self-exaltation. So that perception shift can be actually about self. Mm. The more self-centered we become, the less we have to make us happy. Despite our raging internal need to get all the attention in the room, all the light on the stage, all the applause in the crowd, we find ourselves more and more isolated, less and less filled up by it. We have no one now to turn to for the love we want and cannot find. We have made ourselves the love of our lives and found little to adore at the altar of our egos. We have made ourselves our own little G-gods 
and have forgotten big G God mm-hmm. in the process. So uh, a shift in perspective on hope is, is really about knowing who God is mm-hmm. and who we are. Mm-hmm. That not not even situations or or yeah. Well, because because if we can if we can come to that recognition and that trust that God is who He says He mm-hmm. is, there's hope. There's hope. Yes, there's hope. And and regardless yes. of circumstances, and I don't say that to make light of the, no. the stuff that you're you're walking through. If you're a listener watching, you're like, no. But if you knew my life, I'm, and I'm not trying to make light of that. No. But if in the midst of whatever we walk through. We can hold on to the fact that God is who he said he is. Mm-hmm. Like there is hope in that. Yeah. And, you know, next week, you know, well, this coming Sunday, next week on the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about the idea of peace mm-hmm. you know, and kind of what that what that entails. Uh, because, yeah, we have a we have a kind of a, a cheap version of peace in mm-hmm. mind a lot of times. But if we yeah, if we look at Scripture and what Jesus actually came to accomplish from a peace standpoint. Right. Uh that's a that's a, a bigger picture, and if we but if, and if there's rest in that, there's hope in that. Mm-hmm. When we can we can see, you know, spoiler alert for next week, right? When we can not only look forward to the full restoration of all things, but how Jesus is already restoring things now, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah, and when we can start to identify that, I think that fuels the hope that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it takes, like you said, like a shift of perspective to be able to start to identify those things. We'll get we'll get more into that next week. Yeah, Josh um, is bringing the message. So, so I have, I've, come I've, visit. Got a, I've got an inside edge on uh, <laughs> on what we're talking about. So. He knows what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm look. We're I'm looks like we're at our uh, yeah. We're at our our time mark here. But yeah. uh, anything you want to throw out there before we? No, I would just say if you're struggling with with hope, you know, if that's if that's something that you're dealing with right now, hopelessness, consider what what Josh and I've shared today. Um, meditating, shifting your perspective, meditating on the Word of God, um, maybe spending some time in silence and solitude um, in this season as we're coming with expectation mm. toward. Christmas towards the birth of Jesus, um, and maybe pick up some some books like this. Uh, I I've been encouraged by this so far. It's been really good. What about you, Josh? Any well, other? I want to I want to just reiterate something that you said a few minutes ago, right? Like uh, if you're in that place where you just you you are living in this space of hopelessness, know that you're not alone, mm. right? The enemy works by isolating. Yep. And and if you feel alone, like oh man, everyone else has this hope. What's wrong with me? Why don't I have it? Right. Yeah. And you just kind of spiral and feed this this cycle of of lies from the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're in that place of hopelessness, even though even though this might be very challenging, I want to encourage you connect with other people. Right, we need other people. So if you're in that space, reach out to somebody. Uh, ideally, somebody who's well grounded in their yeah. faith. Yeah, is you know, a follower like, of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Counseling is awesome. Yep. Counseling without a faith component, it can be dangerous. I agree. So yes, <laughs> yeah. You need someone to point you to Jesus because He is your only hope. Yeah. So, Truly. There you go. Well, hey. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We will continue next week in our Advent series. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about peace. But uh, until then, we would love it if you would rate, Mm -hmm. review, subscribe, share, all the things that we talk about every week. Uh, Again, it just gets it out there uh, to more people, not because JB and I 
uh, need our backs padded. Uh, but because again, we 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 hope <laughs> we hope that the things that we talk about here have value yeah. as you pursue Jesus. Yeah. And if you find that that is the case, uh, then it's a possibility that this might add value to somebody else mm -hmm. in their journey with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, just again, we want to encourage you go ahead and share it uh, in whatever you know, way you see fit. But, yeah. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you uh, next week uh, for episode 10, season three of Radio Reflections. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out the Radiant Life Dot church. That's the radiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at the radiantlife.church. That's podcast at the radiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.